Josh Alvarez. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you're listening to episode 143 of Cinepunk's Cineween. Boo! Boo! So scary! Life has no meaning! That's scary. That's scary. That's scary. I'm scared. Stop. Stop. I I was going to start talking about like actually horrifying (laughs) things like, you know, climate crisis or lack of meaning in life and, you know, whatever, whatever. Yeah, it's a capitalist dystopia. Yeah, yeah all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The idea that I'm not contributing to the economy means my life doesn't matter <laughs> to people, you know? Mm. I get it. I get it. These scary things. <laughs> Happy Cineween, y'all. This is our second yeah. episode of Cineween. Ho- and, um, hopefully we got this out in time. We'll see what happens. We'll this see is, how it goes. Yeah, this is going to be a test test of our abilities. But hopefully this is out before the day itself. If it's not, guess what? Halloween can extend past Halloween. <laughs> I don't guess give a fuck. what? <laughs> I, I literally don't give a single fuck. So there, I mean, there you go. For spooky characters such as us, it's Halloween year round. You know that's what I'm saying? Fair. That's absolutely that's not fair. true. That's totally not true. That's We're not, not that spooky. I'm a We're little not spooky, that spooky, but little bit maybe. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I I've I've had a, a few dalliances with the goth music here and there. I've been known to listen to a Susie and the Banshees. Uh, you know, mid. August. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a thing. I've done I that. I mean, I would say if, if we're defining spooky as our goth interest, you you are for, far spookier than me. I'm not. Am I? I'm not a huge gothy guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm not so sure if I'm a huge gothy guy, but given my general breadth of knowledge of music at all. You know what I'm saying? Like, I do just know, like, I've listened to Dawn Razor. I've listened to, like, the legendary Pink Dots. I know all that shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like it. It's fine. I know all the words to Bella Lugosi's dead. You know what I'm saying? But uh, that's not a lot of that's not a lot of words, right? I'm just saying though. I'm not real. I mean, <laughs> I do have a typo negative T-shirt collection. That is yeah, true. No, thank you. No, thank you. Um, lost that's me. the thing that I'm I own. Lost. I own I'm that. Lost. Yeah, it's no, cool. Thanks. And that's, I do it with no not, shame. I do it with no that. shame. Yeah. Well, that's I think a mistake on your part. It's fine. It's totally that's what fine. That is. I'm okay um, that you think that. No, I know. I I I I fully accept that my disrespect for uh typo and peter Steele in general is like that's that makes me an outsider i don't see that as you know when when i'm when people disagree with me on some things i think well you're wrong you know what i mean like it's just it's you know there's no insecurity there but my feelings on typo i get that like most most people who have similar taste to me also like typo but there's just something about typo that bums me out so it's i'm not a fan you know fair enough that's okay. Uh, I'm not you don't I, have to be. Now I do like some death rock. There's some death rock oh, I yeah. like, but Hell not, yeah. a, the not Wraith, a ton. Fuck yeah. Not a ton. That Wraith record still kills me. Oh yeah. my goodness. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's so good. So anyway, so this is our spooky episode. On this episode, we're going to be talking about two 1980s vampire films. Uh, uh, we're going to be talking about, uh, oh, what year is it? It just left me. Fright Night. <laughs> what year is Fright Night? I'm sorry. 86? Hold on. Let me look. 85. 1985's Fright Night. And we're going to talk about... um, Hold. (laughs) 1987's Near Dark. So 1985's Fright Night. 1987's Near Dark. Two vampire movies that are dope. Now, long-term listeners of the show will remember a little episode called Episode 38... 
Yeah. Our werewolf episode featuring our friends, Justin Lore and Evan Valella, who, by the way, I will be seeing soon at the Exhumed Films Horror Thon. Oh, you're coming Thon home for that? of horror. Oh, I am, buddy. When I is am. that? When's that going to be? The first weekend in November, two weeks from oh, now. Oh, nice. Sick. I know. I know. Sickening. Oh, I know. man, both you idiots are going to be back here. Oh, it's sick. It's going to be That's really so great. so good. That's like my birthday week, too. That's the week that I turn 44. Oh, you're what? so old. You're oh, the my oldest God. person who's ever lived. <laughs> I know. There will never be anyone older than me. No. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Anyways, uh, people who remember that little episode might remember uh, one Mr. Joshua Alvarez. Speaking. Declaring. So I had said, right, that though I think werewolves are cooler in many ways than vampires on paper, that because the werewolf transformation is so difficult to achieve cinematically, that werewolf movies were less successful than vampire movies. And you got truly offended and declared that there were no good vampire movies as if you were declaring the sun is hot and the earth is round. That's how you said it. And both I and what Mr. Justin Lore responded as if you had eaten your own boogers. We were incensed. Yeah, what no, are you even no, no. talking about? That's and, fair. I mean, and, did I at least make the omission of, of Lost Boys? Like that's a, that's a pretty gnarly I, I movie. Believe you, I believe you said Lost Boys was the only good vampire movie. I, I, wow. I have to, I have to re-listen to the episode, but I think you said yeah. Lost Boys. You might've also said Bram Stoker's Dracula, like the, the, yeah, the, the the Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, yeah. but that's but you know, I specifically good. said both of these movies: Near Dark and Fright Night. And you poo pooed me. There was a poo pooing, oh, and you specifically said. And then you'll know. Most more recent listeners will know the reason we're covering Fright Night is just on the last episode. You claim that Fright Night was a bad film. And that's what led us to cover Fright Night. So I'm excited. I don't want you to say if you've changed your mind or not, but I want people to feel that tension that the whole reason (laughs) we're here is because there is something at stake. This is not just a casual conversation. We are, we, this is a reckoning. We are reckoning with an opinion that Josh has, which could, let me be clear. If Josh holds this opinion still, I will love him all the same. My love is not at stake here, (laughs) but it is, it is something I hope the audience is feeling the tension of is will Josh, come around on 1985's Tom Holland's Fright Night. Tom Holland. <laughs> I've said it before. Vampire movies suck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I meant that, that shit. I meant no, what I said. Good. Yeah, I meant it's it. good. It's That's good. right. All right. Before we, before we get to all that, Josh, who do you have to thank for this episode? We have to thank our men at Patreons on Patreon for being such beautiful supporters of this wonderful show to which you are listening right now. Yeah, we appreciate you. We feel like uh, we don't even feel like it's really hard to feel like we deserve the support we get. So the fact that y'all are out there putting the time in, we hope that you feel like we're giving you what you want. Um, and we're excited to hear from you. If you want more or less of something, if you want to hear something specific from us, please get in contact. We want that Patreon to be a two-way street. Uh, we've had a few people get in touch with us here and there, but I'd love to hear from all y'all. So get get you know get in our face. Let us know what you think. We're all about that. Yeah. We're we also, all about the convo, yeah. the back and forth. 
The repartee. I, you know what? I'd love to hear from you instead of our sponsor, Chris Reject over at Lehigh Valley Apparel <laughs> Creations. He often gives me his feedback on the episodes. I'll be fair. It's actually great to get it, but I just I need a, I need someone to pick on. So Chris is going to be that person, and he's okay with it. Uh, here's the thing, though. I don't want to hear Chris's uh, criticisms on our podcast because I just want him to print shirts. I want him to print shirts all the time until he dies at the print thing. He'll just pass away with a T-shirt in his hand. That is grim. Cinnaween is off to a trundle, sir. (laughs) Second episode of Cinnaween is is off. This is just Chris. This is just Chris's vibe, honestly. I mean, I think that's where it'll be. But uh, the the thing about that that's encouraging for you, the potential customers, that Chris is dedicated to quality work for you that is accessible, that is personable, and that is affordable. So – xlvacx.com you're going to get your t-shirts your hooded sweatshirts your swants your uh satin crew jacket whatever it is you're going to get that shit printed at lehigh valley apparel creations i also want to give a, a shout out to uh our girl kylie who helps out with uh all things cinepunks and is a stellar friend uh just to on the topic of the term swants what up Kay? yeah swants. yeah swants <laughs> Love me ah, some swants. Liam loves swants. I have swants on right now. I was I, just swants. I, Josh, my my giving up on fashion and descending into comfort has gotten to the point where I recently purchased a pair of khaki pants that had swant tops, elastic tops. Wow! No button, no zipper. They have a fake. They have a fake zipper uh, hole, you know, like the little tuck where your zipper hides. Man. It's fake. There's nothing there. I've twice now worn them in public and gone to pee and realized that there was no zipper to unzip, and I just had to pull them down like a child. Not quite <laughs> like a child, but you know what I mean. It, there's just they're just elastic, and like, oh man, I just I know it, it's I know instead I should be doing exercise and losing weight, but the elastic it just feels so good. It feels so I good. just, you know, I want to judge, but I can't judge your swantaloons because I am in possession currently of a full tiger tracksuit yes. that is both stylish and ignorant, and I've worn all over town with Crocs. I was going to so, say, you, you also wear Crocs is the ultimate fuck everything. I just want to feel good. So You know what, though? And I'm not even mad at that because I'm wearing them right now. Yeah. On foot. Yeah. On foot currently. I, I always pretend to judge you because it's funny for the show, but in reality, I don't care. You should wear your Crocs, and that's great, and I love it. I love it. Because that. comfort is king, baby. Yeah. Enjoy the swantaloons. I just like the verbiage of swants. Speaking of things that are king, uh, uh, our buddy Aaron Dahlbeck is the king of home roasted coffee. How about that? <laughs> that dude rules. As six coffee roasters, uh, they're the best. Josh, uh, uh, t- tell the people what makes Essex so great. Essex Coffee Roasters takes the elitism out of elite coffee, and it makes you know that, you know what, you don't just have to suffer through bad coffee. And, um, you know, Aaron is a great dude. He's been an awesome friend, wonderful musician, dude rules, and I ride for that dude or die. Those are the options. And um, I just would like to say that uh, his coffee is the best, and if you order it, you put in at checkout in the coupon area. Our name, C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X, and enjoy 10% off of your entire order. What? You're, you're both getting a discount there, and you're you're supporting us, and you're supporting yeah. a great company. So do it. Go there. EssexCoffeeRoasters.com. Get your coffee. Get your coffee. Get your T-shirts. Get your, get your tea. Tea just. Tea no shirt. Get that. 
You know what I'm saying? Because they got it. They got that stuff for you. And uh, when you do, t- again, put in Cinepunks and check out and let Aaron know that uh, that we sent you and let him know that, you know, we love him too. And yeah. and you, you're going to love him as soon as you taste that coffee. So Agreed. holla at your boy. Get your coffee. Get your coffee. Get your caffeine on, son. Holla. All yeah. right. So now it's time for... Uh, what is it? it? We do a little dance now. Is that what it do is? We? Or? we don't do anything now. No. We just go right into the topic, right? That's how uh, we've done it so for 143 times. We just take a break and go into the topic. I don't know. Yeah, that's 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 how we do it, right? Or wait, yeah. do we go? Is it bathroom time? No. I mean, it's always bathroom time for me. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's fair. That's fair. I, I, poop, I just I wear poop a, on a, command. a diaper. I wear a diaper. <laughs> you know about that. Yeah, it's cool. No, but you know what else is a, a thing that we wear? We wear our, our uh, tastes in a certain segment that the world likes to call <gasps> Whacking on, on track. track. Spooky Whacking on Track Edition. I, I should have made it spooky, but I kind of made it jazzy. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's a fine line between d- d- creepy and soulful. <laughs> I mean, jazz. I, I mean, look, if I say you're going into a smoky jazz club, that you might be meeting up someone for a romantic liaison, or maybe you're going to mm-hmm. get murdered. Who knows? Whack or on track. We don't yeah, know yet. Who knows? That's the thing. Those are the two fighting furies in this little segment that we like to call Whack It On Track. I love you, I did Josh. it twice. I, I did it twice. You. I love you. So stupid. Who's going first, you or me? Uh, it's up to you. I don't care. Uh, why don't you go first? All right. So, Whack It On Track. Your boy has had a couple of days. A couple of days is all I'm going to say. So, um, I got through my first week. In the office, and I will count this as on track, all the way on track. It's my first week working at the Removery Tattoo Lasering and Lightning Services Tattoo Removal. And um, I get to work with uh, scene stalwarts, Mike DC, Michael DC of uh, Damnation AD and the If You Were Me podcast, which is still going to be premiering on the Cinepunks podcast network. And Mr. uh, Robbie... Red Cheeks, who, uh, if you don't know, was a dude who did hardcore stuff in Philadelphia forever. And I've known him for like 30 years, which is weird to say out loud, but it's also true. So holler. But uh, yeah, no, I've, I've, I've completed my first week working there and it's been fun. I've been issued a key. So now I have a key to the office and um, I've been. Uh, so, so here's basically what happens is this like I'm. I'm the secretary, dude. You come in, you got an appointment to get your tattoo that you didn't like. You know, maybe you had some ill-advised tattoo that you put on your body. Or maybe you you had a friend tattoo with a friend that's no longer a friend, right? And, like, people want to get that shit removed. And now with technology and lasers from the future, we're able to zap them, Johns. And guess what? In about a year, they're gone. It's great. It's so good. But uh, basically, I'm the secretary, dude. So I sit there and, like, you come in and I check you in on our little system. Because there's a lot of computer systems at play here. And then, um, you know, I make you feel comfortable while we sit down and wait for our, our homegirl, Donna, who's our laser tech, to be prepared and ready to, to give you the utmost care and treatment in laser removal. So I did that for a whole 40 hours this week. And you know what? Kind of dope. I'm having a hell of a time. I'm not going to lie awesome. to you. That's awesome. It's pretty funny because um, I so a couple things. Number one. 
At my last job, I wasn't allowed to have buttons or pockets. And guess who has buttons and yes, pockets? Yes. I must have overcorrected because I got these cargo pants scrubs because you got to wear scrubs at this job because that's how official I am now. And uh, I got these scrubs of cargo pockets and then cargo pockets on the cargo pockets. So can it's I, so many I, pockets. Can I point something out for our listeners? You can tell that Josh has formerly worked in some sort of like healthcare service industry because he feels more legit in scrubs, a, a, a kind of clothing that the world outside of healthcare thinks of as uh, stuff lazy people who don't want to wear clothes wear. Right. It's like like the ultimate comfort workwear. And Josh is like, I feel more official and professional now because I have scrubs on. Not only that, I iron my scrubs. I iron them. Yeah. I, <laughs> they, I had to. It's funny. They're all black. So I look like a goddamn ninja. A goddamn ninja. I mean, you and, are um, a ninja, though. That's also rare. true. That because I, you know, I'm a silent assassin that can descend from uh, rooftops unheard. Yeah. But um, also, I. Also, your farts are silent. Yeah. Ninja <laughs> SBD. Fuck. But um, it's funny because a friend of the show, Richie Rojas, works a block away from me. So, like, I get to, like, dip out on my lunch break and be like, yo, what up, rich dog? And, like, you know, it's really, it's an interesting, like, I'm I'm in Center City now. Like, you know, okay, typically, listeners of the show know, your boy Josh isn't exactly, like, one to really, like, revel in the glow up, if you will. You know what I mean? Like, things happen, but I, I tend to have, like, a minorly depressive character, and I understand this about myself. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I tend to be a little dour, maybe a little, you know, a little, little, little introverted at times. You know what I'm saying? Sure, sure. But um, I can't help but walk around and smile now. Like, there's good <laughs> coffee, and I'm across the street from DeBruno Brothers. That's right. Oh, I can just go over there suddenly, and get a good Suddenly I know cheese. exactly where you are. This whole time I've been like, I don't know, Josh is, he's center city somewhere. I have no idea. But in true Liam fashion, you're like, I'm across from the Bruno Brothers. I'm like, oh, okay, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> so you're around the <laughs> corner from uh, Yum Yum Ramen, if that's still there or whatever it, it is. It and, uh, is right, right up, there. Right up from, from, the, uh, from the Ruby Tuesdays on that corner. Mm -hmm. Like you're near Liberty One and you're right around from the Like because I've been to that, even though I used to live in South Philly where there was the real Bruno Brothers, I've been <laughs> to that center city Bruno Brothers a hundred times. Like, oh, I would just dude. be in Center City and be like, oh, I don't feel like stopping at the Italian market. I'll just go to this one. <laughs> it's what it is, man. I've been buying bottled San Pellegrino like some oh, rich guy. You got to yeah. get. No, you got to get that uh, Manhattan special espresso soda there. Oh, it's on. Good. Yeah, it's been dope. I mean, like, I'm trying to keep like, you know, Liam, I'm still keeping it low carb. I'm not going to get down with like the breads and all that stuff. But, yo, I also had to be like for this week, we're just going to let it ride. Cause I don't know what the hell to tell you. I'm around like ten thousand donut trees, like oh, a donut sure. venue, yeah, a donut yeah, tree, yeah. if you will. Yeah. And uh, then the Bruno across the street, and then just all the food options. Understand? I've come from three months in a casino when I wasn't allowed to set foot in any of the restaurants in the casino, and had to dine at TDR, the dining room, and take all my meals at work from there. So it's like kind of like you know what. If this is a candy store, call me the kid because your boy's going shopping. Is what's no, happening? You're in a good. It's a good spot. It's a good it's a, like, part of the part of. I mean, there are a lot of things about Center City that maybe aren't great, but that's a good location. There's a lot going on around there. There's some like parks not that far away, places to chill, bookstores and stuff. It's a solid location. It's pretty dope, man. I gotta say. So, I mean, like, here's the thing, right? The glow up is real. Like, 
I'm, I, again, just to address my legitimacy issues, I'm back in scrubs and thus feel like I'm in my power clothing. Number two, it's all black and I can only wear all black. So I'm like a ninja scrubs, dude. Number yeah, three, I'm working with homies that I've been friends with for like at least 20 years on the low end and like 30 years on the high end. And that's kind of dope. Number four, I'm getting compensated way better than I ever did at any job, including the one job I worked at for 20 years. Number five, the food options. Number six, it's just I don't even have to be at work till 1030 in the morning. You understand? So like most of the time I'm used to either being at work at seven or eight and yeah, I have so yeah. much time in the morning. I'm like, that's half the day. It's so dope. It's like, yeah, it's, it's, crazy. it's the kind that of come up that I'm to like, go meet people for breakfast and read a book. And, oh man, I went to Rittenhouse square the other day just to have coffee in the morning and look at trees, which I did. I was leaf peeping, drinking some coffee and it was, it was great. I mean like, okay. Uh, listeners of the show now i'm again always looking for the the knife within the smile i'm always ready for the like okay here's like the crash you know what i'm saying and uh if it comes and it comes and i'm okay with that but also kind of thinking that this it can only go up from here you know what i'm saying no i, don't I feel know. you i feel you man I, I much respect all of that it's a feeling unlike any that i've had in a very long time so that is 100 percent on track now the other thing that i did this week is a little weird and i'm pretty sure you can appreciate the weird anime of this entire endeavor um friend of the show patreon subscriber and a good dude all around muay thai master the Jinko Jesus himself, bruce park who used to sing for a band that i did called only glory um it was his birthday and okay as a gift to our man's Jinko Jesus, our friend Brian Yan, friend of the show, famously only person who ever got edited out of a Cinepunks episode, he bought not only Bruce, but myself and a whole bunch of other people, but it was only me, Bruce, and our friend Melissa. He bought us passes to the Exotica Pornography Convention in Edison, New Jersey, home place, hometown of Ari Katz from Lifetime, New Jersey. Uh, yeah, it's it, so I was in Edison the other day at a convention center for Bruce's birthday party, wherein oh it was God. an adult convention of the pornographic nature. Now, this wasn't my first rodeo. I've been to one of these before because I worked at a video store in Bayonne when I lived there 20 years ago. And uh, that's a famous story. I'm not going to recount it here for you. Just know that there's a whole roll of a disposable camera of pictures that have been printed where I look terrified as hell with a bunch of naked people. It's fine. <laughs> that said, this is completely different. This is not at all like that because nobody was naked. There wasn't like a nakedity going on, which is, you know, again, fine. And I'm not like a porno dude like that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. We spend our time watching movies like Fright Night. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm sure, not, but sure. but our man's and no shade on this. He enjoys the art, right? And that's his thing. Like he has, like he's into it, which is fine. I'm not mad. But he, there was like some particular performer that he wanted to meet, and she was gonna be there. And Yan had this whole plan, and we made it happen. And Bruce met the lady, and it was it was a lot, man. It was just 
a lot of sense. First of all, the line was forever. So we stood in the line forever and we took the line in shifts. So like Yan and Melissa would stand in line and then me and Bruce would just kind of amble around and look at things. And then we'd stand in line while they would walk around and stuff. And like in this tandem nature, we, we suffered a line for like three hours just so Bruce could like take pictures with this lady. Oh my gosh. And, um, it was it was a lot, man. It was a lot. Like again, no tea, no shade. Cinepunks prides ourselves on being like a sex positive environment. Sure, that yeah. if this is what you like, if you're into this, we're not here to yuck anybody's yum, right? That's well. The- I mean, I think I think it's we can say right that uh, the idea of pornography and the reality of pornography sometimes don't always coincide. So a pornography convention, right? Mm. Even if you're super pro the idea and the artistry of pornography would still have elements that you're not stoked on. The same as like something that is far less, in my mind, easy to exploit comic books. When Mm. I go to a comic convention, there are aspects of the comic convention that are like not my thing. And in fact, might even border on kind of embarrassing. Right. That's far more likely at a pornography convention when, you know, I'm, I'm not a a huge pornography person, but I don't have any issue with it per se. And Mm. I do uh, enjoy it on occasion. It's just not something that I'm in a fandom of uh, enough to know, like performers and stuff. That's just not my vibe, but like Mm. Bruce being into that, that's totally cool. And yet a full convention, I feel like you could be like, well, there's parts of this. I don't love, you know, because I don't, you know, I'm, I mean, there are parts of it that I was just like, I just don't understand. You know right. what I, I mean? Don't like, get it. It's it doesn't, mildly it's confusing. Thing, yeah. yeah. And I mean, I consider myself a relatively intelligent individual, especially someone who's been raised in the East Coast winters. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I can, I, I'm pretty smart. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But man, there was some stuff in there that I was just like, I mean, you know, it was just, it was weird. It was, well, I mean, sure. it wasn't weird. It was just weird to me. Like, I had no idea what I was looking at at points, which is right. fine. I get it. But also, it was just funny because I met the star um, porn star Stormy Daniels, who Uh was the only person I recognized because she fucked President Trump when he was president or whatever. So she was there. And I took a picture with her because I thought that was pretty funny. And um, other than that, I just stood in line for Bruce the whole time. (laughs) This is what we did. It was ridiculous. (laughs) I mean, that said, everybody who knows Bruce knows that to know him is to love him. And straight up, whenever you're hanging out with Bruce in any situation, in any capacity, it's always going to be at least a fun time. You know what I'm saying? So understand my friendship with this man has made me see newfound glory and less than Jake in 2021. And now a pornography convention. And he's still one of my best buds. And I love that dude to death and beyond. That dude is my homeboy. He's my ride or die. I ride for him. And (laughs) I'm going to put this experience on track because, again, at our age, Liam, at the ripe old age of 40 something, like when do we get a chance to do stuff where we're like, I'm completely uncomfortable and have no idea what's happening right yeah. now, but I'm just going to go with it because that's what it means. No, and I, here I, we are. Oh, I 100% agree with you. And I feel like that's actually in its own way, a gift that someone like Bruce gives to us, right? Yeah. In being his own person and being interesting and having his own, whatever. I feel like you're more likely with him to do something that you're like, is this, am I, I, <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, again, I, I think for some people going to a porn convention sounds like torture. And for some people it sounds like joy, but I think for you, it's more just like you're doing something that is, you know, not entirely, but at least mostly unfamiliar. And that, that, 
that's likely to happen with Bruce, that he might be like, let's do this. And you're like, I don't know what that is, but sure, let's go ahead yeah, and try no, it out. No, that's what happened when he took me to see Combat Zone Wrestling oh, yeah. with Yan and, and Davin. And I had no idea what I was in for until I was handing a bundle of fluorescent light bulbs to a man because it was, Oh, bring your own weapon day. Okay. So it's so weird, Josh, because like on one hand I'm like, Oh, I get that. And then other hand I don't because I'm not really an extreme. I mean, we have lots of friends who are into wrestling, whether Mm. that's the whole LVAC community, you know, Mm. LVAC is also Lehigh Valley athletic council that puts on wrestling events, you know, Um, or, you know, friends on the network, you know, Joey breeding, is friends with uh, Orange Cassidy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's a big deal. So, like, we have lots of people around us who are into wrestling. But for me, I just don't get extreme wrestling. It just doesn't vibe for me. I, like, I don't... And I, and I know that's kind of crazy as someone who enjoys violence in other forms, right? Mm. But there's just something about the, the uh, glutton for punishment that is extreme wrestling that bums me out. Whereas goofy almost comedy wrestling i'm so on board i would go to a show tonight i would just go oh orange cassie's gonna be there and then other goofballs and there's gonna be that guy who's not actually an old wrestler but he pretends to be one and he doesn't actually wrestle but he yells at everyone and he talks about wrestling a bear in the 80s yeah that guy's great i'm gonna go and check him you know what i mean like that is just so much more my vibe and that's no disrespect to people out there bleeding for their art like i i don't think there's anything bad about doing that it's just not my cup of tea you know so yeah no it's not a thing that i really get is all yeah but again bruce tells me that's where we're going guess where we're going to that you know what i'm saying and that's what i saw and it was a lot so we can add that to the list now porn convention to extreme wrestling and new fan glory less than jake in 2021 so you know i don't know that shit is wild. So on track. Yeah. Also on track. Uh, recently, the new Angel Dust record that came out on Friday. Is oh, dope. my God. You just stole one of mine. I'm with you so much. That record is great. Uh, I'm loving it. I'm loving the new Grouper record that came out on Friday. It's called Shade. Oh, I don't, I don't know. know where, I don't know. Oh, Grouper is great. It's um, it's a single. It's one young lady by the I, What's her name? Her name is. Um, Let's, hey, can we, can we circle back really quick on this Angel Dust record? How would you describe it to people? Because I think Angel Dust has really so many facets to their sound. over time yeah. yeah and what what how would you describe this new record in comparison to the last one uh it's dirtier to me it yeah. sounds cr- like dirtier i don't really like that was the first thing that i heard like it's grimy you know what i'm saying yeah. like that's what i responded to it's not like that last record that was like a uh, allison chains or whatever like it's it's a little bit dirtier i wouldn't than say that. the last one was allison chains <laughs> That's what I, I would, thought of when I heard it. Oh, I felt like the last Angel Dust record, I was like, these are like the not punk Lemonhead songs is what I thought. Yeah. Of. Or, okay. or, yeah, yeah, or yeah. like the more country-esque Dinosaur Jr. stuff, but but more poppy. I just, I really like Justice as a songwriter, but this new one definitely has a, a it's still him. It's still them, but it, yeah. it's different. It's different. I, I don't really know how to describe it other than to listen to it. You know yeah. what I mean? And I we'll love circle, it. We'll like circle it? back on it. Yeah. I mean, I'll straight up say I've only given it a couple. It, it came out pretty recently and I've been crazy busy, which we'll get to on my whacking on track. But uh, it's I, on the first two listens. I'm sold. Like, I, I yeah. and I knew I would be like, I, you know, I was someone who was like trapped under. I should have stayed a band because the bands they gave birth to are not worth my time. And mm. now, years later, I'm like, I was wrong. 
<laughs> Both these bands. I mean, there's other bands that didn't work out, you know, like uh, mm. some pop punk band and some other stuff. But the two that we have right now, Turnstile and Angel Dust, they're both great. They're great bands. And yeah. I love that they exist. And I hope they continue to like stretch the bounds of what. Now, I will say, I think Turnstile is very solidly still a hardcore band, even though they're doing all kinds of different stuff. Angel Dust was never really a hardcore band anyway. So I feel like mm. they have more freedom to do whatever they want because they're just, they're literally like just a post. Just making music. Band. Yeah. Yeah. They're just doing whatever they want, you know? It's so good. It's so, so, it's so thrilling to sit back and listen to as it happens because you see a band that's on the cusp of discovery at all, at every single release. And it's, it's joyful. I love it. I love it so much. All right. So then so, you say the yeah. Grouper record is really good. Yeah. So Grouper is like a dream pop. It's one lady named Liz Harris. She does like a ethereal, like borderline ambient, but it's also like super blown out. Like um, some of the noisier aspects of my bloody Valentine. It's just really beautiful. And the new record's called shade. It just came out last Friday and I love it as well. That's what I got. Whack. Oh yeah. Also it's Philadelphia film festival time. So I'm going to try and see some movies, but I haven't seen any yet, but that's my plan. Do you have any that you're definitely trying to see? Um, there are a couple things. Some of the repertoire stuff looks cool, but like overall, it's funny because like the ones that we really are hyped on, we saw at Sundance. So like you know, it's kind of well, like that's, a secondary. I, I feel like that's why you got to go to the lesser know. For people who don't know, if we have any, I mean, we have a lot of listeners in Philadelphia, but anyone who's maybe new to the Philly Film Fest a lot of times people look at the features and then they're like, these are all the features that played other festivals. Why do I care? Mm -hmm. I think they do actually a pretty good job on the undercard, go into yeah. their international section, go into their lesser known stuff. You're going to find some cool stuff there. The only part that's always a bummer is they have not gotten their late night spooky yeah, movie section. After dark stuff. Together. They haven't gotten yeah. it sorted in years. It's been a bummer for the last like four or five, six years, I'd say, you know, at least looking Agreed. at the lineups. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But otherwise, so, I think they do a pretty good job. I mean, we we have a mixed relationship with the with the film fest, with the film society. I think right now we're on good terms, uh, but I think uh, I think the the film fest is sometimes it's it's really great, sometimes it's a letdown, it's hit or miss. But I think when it's at its best, they really do some interesting programming on the less obvious section. So you're not going to the hugest theater possible. But mm. but I would make those efforts because I've seen some really amazing stuff that I just took a chance on because I could. You yeah. Know? And also, I would suggest trying to sit in on the um, on the shorts programs that they do, because their shorts programs tend to be really awesome I agree. a I agree. lot of the time. So, you know, that's what I'm looking for. I haven't really had a chance to peruse the book because new job and everything else. So, you know, it's been difficult and I've been really busy. But, you know. We're, we're going to get down to some movies today after we're done recording here. Boom. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so here we go. Uh, <laughs> whacking on track for me. Uh, I'm going to say on track. This is going to sound crazy because it doesn't have to do with me, but it's still really encouraging. Um, I don't know if people know this. I feel like I hear about this more on TikTok than I do, like, in the news. But uh, Nation's on strike, man. Like, all over the place. People are going on strike. More and more people yeah. going on strike. That's on track, buds. That's 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 great. It's you know I'm not in any of those industries, so it might be like, well, how is that your business? But I think anytime that labor starts to stand up to exploitation, it's a good thing. And in a lot of these places, it's more than deserved. Like these, a lot of folks that are going on strike right now were abused during the whole pandemic. Just work to the bone with no extra compensation. And then their companies ended up making huge profits, which the people aren't seeing. And mm -hmm. I, I just think, you know, at a time when 
on other fronts, let's say legislatively, everyone who stands for anything good is basically losing. Uh, nothing is getting passed. The Democrats are shooting themselves in the foot. It's all a real big fucking bummer. It's really encouraging to see, you know, I've managed to find a few like labor rights TikToks to see these updates from strikes all across the country and people like really being dedicated and, and standing up to, you know, uh, uh, real power because that's where a lot of the power is, is with these corporations that are making, uh, disgusting profits, like out of yeah. control profits. Like it, it, there's no way if you're, if you're, uh, if your CEO is giving themselves a 160% raise and you're not getting even a taste of that, then you should be out there with a side. Like that's just how it goes. Yeah, you know, it's just like, fair. I mean like th think about industries like healthcare. I think about industries like service industries with like restaurants and all uh -huh. that stuff. It's like people are getting exploited so horrifically just during a time when we're told, you know, this is what you have to do to survive. And that's fucked up, man. And that's workers' rights. That's like, that's the autonomous middle class that can save the country. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the kind of knowledgeable, educated middle class that's going to save everything. Yeah. And have, I have faith in that. Yeah. I want to, uh, along those lines, I want to give a shout out. There's a, a journalist named, uh, Kim Kelly, uh, people might know her as Grim Kim. She used to be a metal journalist, and she slowly started reporting on labor issues and, in fact, was working at Noisy and trying to organize vice uh, writers into a union and then uh, left. I, I, she might have been fired, actually, um, and now works primarily as a labor writer. And I met her because she booked metal shows at Broad Street Ministry, and I've kind of kept up with her since then. And to see her go from, like, just, you know, a lady who likes metal who booked a few shows at my venue to being a pretty well-recognized labor uh, journalist is like sick. Right. And someone who's like yeah. helping people organize and unionize and, and, and knowing like uh, that, that all that energy came from being part of the, the metal community. Like, I love that. So respect. I, I just, I, I like when, when people I know are doing good. So that, that's another on track uh, whack. I have some uh, media on track, but real quick, I just want to say whack. Y'all, like, I actually, have, I have a two-sider. On track, Cineween. People have been showing up. They've been contributing. We've gotten some awesome pieces. The poem we got last Friday on Possession was unbelievable. Mm. Shout out to our, our our really great friend, Sophia, for making that connection. And uh, she's really been putting in work. A lot of people have been putting in work. Our man, Jacob, uh, and his wife, Anna Marie, have been writing for us. And just lots of stuff coming in. Our man, Brendan uh, Foley, has written a few times for us. So it's been really great. The whack of that though is it's a lot of work and I always forget that and I don't ask enough people for help and I don't set up enough extra help so then I take a month that I really want to be like a relaxing fun spooky month for me and I make it stressful and so it's been a bit stressful now not out of control but when you add on to that like my normal sort of like parenting stuff and then health stuff like changing seasons. I'm getting sick and then our own sort of like, you know, stuff around the house and, and work stuff and trying to keep up with stuff with rough cut. It's just like little stresses become big stresses. So, mm. uh, I'm just, I'm just tired, man. And I'm, I'm like, I'm wanting to be super stoked still on October, but there's a small part of me that's like, Oh man, when October's done, I could just like, 
nap. That would be cool. I would like a nap. That would be nice. (laughs) (laughs) So, but uh, overall, it's on track because though it has been kind of stressful at times with the help of people like Adriana and, and, and our friend Kylie and uh, Anna Ghoul and, and a bunch of people behind the scenes. And, and then Sharky. also, yeah, Sharky, of course. Uh, I don't know if people have seen the videos that Sharky's been able to do, but they're awesome. Um, just all that stuff. You know, there it's a lot of people show up and help out. And uh, as much as that's true, we all also have our own lives. So really what I need is like, probably a bigger behind the scenes team for something like Cineween and I didn't put in the effort. So it's like, I'm not like, that's on me. I just didn't put in the effort to get enough people to help out with it. And so now I'm like carrying that slack. So I'm a little, I'm a little tired because of that. That being said, uh, on track for me also is the angel dust record. It is very good. If you, if, if you're someone who doesn't just miss trapped under ice who's ready for something that's it's not hardcore it's not punk really it's its own thing and so like you got to be okay with that like granted when you do you if you're someone who when you listen to the replacements still thinks it's kind of punk angel dust might be for you man like you know what i'm saying yeah it might be that thing where you want to convince the young bucks that you saw the talking heads at cbg go off fam i I mean you you know what say what you want about talking heads but i do actually still consider them a punk band it's just they were like wanting to do their own thing so they didn't play fast but Mm. whatever i like david what i'm not gonna not gonna bite all this talking heads hate that i hear (laughs) around the world uh there's also a new uh ep by the band spy uh, oh yeah, that band rules. I think Spy might be like my current favorite that I don't know what to call that style of hardcore. It's not really mm. fast hardcore. It's 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 sort of a I guess you could call it like a like a like a raw punk influenced. Yeah. Like it, it's I very like to much call it Xerox punk cuz oh, yeah, all their yeah, logos yeah, yeah. like bands like Spy, uh Bib. Yeah. Um oh, very much Bib, very much yeah. Bib. Gag I, well, is another what, band. What I would say about Spy is Spy is very traditionally like their actual song structures are pretty much like classic us hardcore but then they have a certain amount of reverb a certain amount of bite yeah. the vocals are a little bit reverby and echoey that that's not classic so it's like classic us hardcore filtered through a history of basement punk of of d beat of other sort of punk influences that give it yeah. its own vibe but there's enough stop there that norman corman folks go <laughs> off for get them down too. with it yeah, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You're, no one is offended when they see it no one's like oh this isn't for me you know so mm. i'd put it in the same actually for me it's like it's like a heavy discipline or mm. you know what i mean like uh uh uh, uh concealed blade you know what i mean mm. uh, or long uh, knife um, uh yeah oh i love long knife uh i i recently made a play people who are interested in uh bands along these lines i recently made a playlist for a friend called uh stomping around scowling it's on my Spotify. It's a lot of bands that kind of remind me of Spy and and of course the band Scowl. I kind of put a whole playlist together. It's 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 too long and it's also lacking. You know what I mean? Like it's the sort of playlist mm. where there's too many bands and yet I'm still like, "Oh, I didn't put a Long Knife song on there. Fuck." Or I didn't I didn't put a uh 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 who's the the band that's like the 80s horror band where the guy wears a mask? What is that band called? Uh oh, uh, city killer. Yeah, city killer. Is that right? City killer. I think that's right. City hunter. 
City Hunter. That's yes, yes, yes. Uh, they, City. They could have gone in there. They could have gone in there. You know what I mean? Like it's that <laughs> yeah. kind of playlist where it's like it's never ending. You know. Uh, funny enough, I made it for a friend who was like, "Oh, I really like that spy band and that scal band." I was like, "Okay, I'll put this together for you." But of course, there's someone who's more into like heavier hardcore, right? So I put mm. it together. It was mostly bands that fit that vibe, and I was like, "It's too samey." So I went in and I put in maybe like five or six bands that like kind of don't fit the vibe totally. You know, mm. those were the bands that they love the most because they stand <laughs> out, right? <laughs> right? Right, right. And I, right. I always got to remember that, like, if you have a band, if you have a playlist that's mostly heavy stuff, throw in a couple of fast bands. Those bands will stand out and probably seem super cool because they're like yeah. different than the other stuff. You know. Anyways, uh, I also wanted to lift up. There's a new single by my, my man Serpent with Feet, probably my favorite kind of modern solely. I don't know. It's not really soul. It's not really R&B, but it's its own kind of neo soul thing. It's one of my favorites. So uh, check out that new single. Uh, I also want to point out the for people who've heard me freak out about it. Uh, the new season of Dimension 20 has ended the seven. Uh, it's the sort of show where the conclusion matters you know like the wrap-up matters the way it satisfies you matters and it was perfect it was perfect it was a perfect show i loved it nice i cried a lot it's great it's unbelievable <laughs> check it out dimension 20 um and uh uh also this is and this is totally nerdy but i'm just gonna own it new season of uh great british bake-off I'm I'm invested. I love I You're love it. I love it. It's the only. In. It's literally the only reality TV I think I want. Oh, we're here, which also made uh, me cry. So we're yeah. here. I haven't Great watched British the new Bake episodes Off. of We're Here yet. The we only watched the first episode of We're Here, and I cried. So there you go, dude. You know? I don't know if I can see. That's the thing. All of season one of We're Here is just weep fest for me. There is no moment where I'm not weeping watching that shit, despite the joy of every single thing. <laughs> it's brutal. That but first episode. It. Remember, they started it and then they had to leave and because then they of COVID. Had to stop of COVID. So they went yeah, yeah, back, yeah. and the changes in the folks' lives. I don't want to ruin, spoil anything, but people have to watch it. It's unbelievable. I love Eureka O'Hara. I love Bob the Drag Queen. I love Shangela. Like those three drag queens are amazing. Um, I guess on that tip, I've also been what we just started Canada's Drag Race ep- or season two, sure, I think it is, sure. or whatever. Yeah. And, um, Drag Race UK season three. So those things have been playing in this household. Another thing, I don't know if I mentioned it before. Did I mention the screening of Vampire at um at no, uh, the no, Mother no. Museum? I don't think you did on the show. No, bring it up. Oh, yeah. So one of the other things I did that was on track was uh, the Mother Museum did a screening of the 1932 movie Vampire. I believe it's 1932. Let me uh, check the Hall of Records. Hold on real quick. Hold on. It was a Criterion, um, yeah, nineteen thirty-two vamp- vampire or V A M P Y R. I don't know if that's how it's pronounced. Vampire. Yeah, it might be vampire. Um, I don't know. Yeah, but they did it. It's a silent movie from nineteen thirty-two, and they screened it in like the third floor or the second floor, like big room, the physician's library room in the Motor Museum. People who are not from Philadelphia. Um, the Mutter Museum is like a museum of it's a physician's museum of scientific oddities and stuff. So like they have like a huge cadre of like just, you know, things that were swallowed and like, you know, they put it in like this collection thing. And like it's a bunch of like a, the skeleton of a tall man, you know, like these kinds of the soap woman. There's a lot of like it's a it's a Philadelphia thing. It's pretty cool. Um, but they screen vampire with a thing called not so silent cinema. 
which is a group in Philadelphia that does a live score to silent movies that are projected for, for crowds to watch. And um, so Melani and I went to the Mutter Museum and we saw that and we went with a friend of the show, Ivo Tomas and his fiance, Courtney. And um, it was awesome. They had tasty cake treats as snacks dope time and then um you know we watched this movie with this band playing basically it was much like the time that we went and saw the shining backwards and forwards you remember that liam love it love it and uh we psychic teens was doing the soundtrack like while the movie was playing it was like that but it wasn't two movies playing at one time it was one movie playing at one time and um the music was like a chamber quartet so it was like you know, there was a pianist, but there was also like a bassist and um, a violinist. It was awesome. It was such a fun experience. The chairs, not so comfortable, but what do you expect from a physician's museum? You know what I'm saying? They're very creaky wooden chairs, not very, not very padded, but it's okay. It's cool. Um, it was really, really fun. So if Not So Silent Cinema does anything in the city, even if it's not at the Mutter Museum. I know that they've done things at um, Eastern State Penitentiary. They tend to do these things in like really interesting locales. I'm pretty sure they've done it at Laurel Hill Cemetery too. It's always a fun time. So I would suggest seeking them out and uh, attending any of their screenings so I guarantee you'll have a good time if you're of that variety of both film fan and music fan. Yo, I need to say uh, another on track, a friend of mine, a guy named Woods, what is Woods' last name? I wish I could remember. I'm sorry, Woods. Woods is not his last name? I don't think so. Is that? That's amazing. Everyone calls him Woods. I guess you're right. It probably, Woods is his last name. You're right. Woods must <laughs> be his last name. You know, so you know Woods. No, I don't. I just don't think I'd know anybody who would name their child Woods. Well, like, I ah. assume that's not his real name. It's just the name that everyone knows him by. Uh, so Woods, what is Woods' I think that might be his, so his Instagram is f.woods but I've always known him as Woods and I feel like he has a last name and Woods might be his, either his like nickname or his middle name. I'm not sure. Anyways, uh, he's a friend of mine. He used to play with my friend Kurt Fowler in a, in a, uh, in a few different bands, uh, including um, Mercury Radio Theater. Uh, anyways, he's worked in a bunch of theatrical stuff for a while, as well as being a musician. And he recently got the gig as the props manager on the new season of Mystery Science Theater. What? Which was shot in Philadelphia. Oh, I did not know that. That's amazing. That's why I brought it up, man, because I literally was like, blah, blah, blah. Josh is talking about some bullshit, so I'm going to look at my Instagram. <laughs> Uh, really, I actually went on because I got a message and I was like, what's this message? And then literally the first post on my feed, I was like, oh, that's weird. That's Woods with the Mystery Science Theater stuff. He must have just visited the set or they shot it in Philly and he's their new props manager. What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy, right? I I mean, I got to be honest. No no disrespect, but what production shoots in Philly? Why would you even shoot? I guess like, (laughs) you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, like. It's not like Jonah Ray lives in Philadelphia, right? He lives. Is in like- Jonah Ray still the host for? New oh yes. Times? Oh yeah. So Jonah Ray's been in Philadelphia. Yeah, for like a while. They shot six episodes. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, it's crazy. It's so That's crazy, right? I mean, I know what's his name lives lives nearby. The original guy. Uh, oh, the um, Joel, whatever his name is. Yeah, he lives in Jersey, but 
Other than that, I don't know why you would shoot in Philly. No disrespect to my favorite city in the world. It's just funny when productions are like, yeah, we're going to do the whole season here in Philly. Uh, unless you're mayor of Easttown, huh? I don't understand why that would be. Yeah, but it sure. makes no sense. Makes yeah. no sense. Yeah. But okay, go okay. off, man. What well, that's, ev- that's everything. That's all my whacking on track uh, for now. Uh, we love you guys. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about two vampire, two vampiric horror films. And we're going to finally <laughs> learn from Josh how he feels. About Fright Nights. <laughs> we'll be right After back. After the break. I can't hear you. You're too far away. I can't see you. The light is in my face. I can't touch you. I wouldn't if I could I can't love you How you want me to I can't love you How you want me to I can't love you How you want me to So what we're talking about today are two vampire movies, two movies that suck 
Um, we're talking I can't about you went back dark. to the same joke. It's such a good joke that I got I feel like I it bared repeating. But um, you know, I'm I'm good with that. I'm not afraid of you is the thing, Liam. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, we're talking about 1985's Fright Night and 1987's Near Dark, which are two vampire movies from the 80s, which is what we're talking about now. And um, you know, it's funny. Way back in episode 36, I said, you know, vampire movies aren't good. Thir- 38. 38, one of the 30s. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I was, I was, I'm, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's because we were talking about uh, werewolves, and uh, we we're talking with Justin Lore, and I was just in that lane. And I'll admit, maybe I was talking off the cuff. I'll admit that. I'll own it because you know your boy says I think fast, I talk fast. It's just the way I do, especially things about things that I'm like relatively passionate about. That being movies at all, horror movies to be specific, but um. I mean, you know, I don't know. I was never one that like relished in like the Draculas and like the Children of the Night kind of, uh, except for when it comes to Ink and Dagger, as everybody who who loves Cinepunks knows, Liam loves Ink and Dagger. So um, it's like one of those things. Like, yeah, it was cool. I liked it, but also we just watched Salem's Lot, which is what brought me to this doorstep right now, to this threshold, if you will, and um. I felt compelled that we had to watch this for Cineween. Yeah. So for people who don't know, Fright Night is a 1985 vampire movie directed by Tom Holland, who also wrote uh, wrote and directed by Tom Holland, who also wrote and directed Child's Play, mm. and then also directed some other movies like Thinner and stuff. I think this movie and Child's Play are his most sort of like, uh, I don't know, celebrated stuff. But he's done, he's done a lot, you know? Mm. Um, Stars Chris Sarandon, uh, William Ragsdale, uh, Marcy Darcy from Married with Children. Yeah, Amanda Beers, uh, which <laughs> this might be her first role, maybe. I don't know, actually. I'm not sure. Uh, and of course, the man, Roddy McDowell, uh, yeah. my, my, my Planet of the Apes crush, uh, <laughs> as, as horror host Peter Vincent, and uh, Stephen Jeffries as uh, Evil Ed, you know, which. Uh, people will know my deep love for 976, 976 Evil. 976 Evil, yeah. Uh, so uh, I, seeing him in this is great. Uh, for me, Josh, I kind of grew up with this movie, and I always thought of it as just a f- silly, fun movie. And it mm. wasn't until an adult I rewatched it. And I rewatched it partly um, with the idea that I had heard that there are a number of queer subtexts to the movie. And so then when I watched it with that in mind, I realized how straight I was that none of that shit ever occurred to me. (laughs) Yeah. It never registered for me until you sent me that article too. And I was like, Oh my God, that's all in this movie. Oh yes, And it's like plain as day. It's like very obviously in there at minimum, at minimum, uh, Chris Sarandon's Jerry Dandridge is yeah. pansexual like there's just no way around it and he has this i mean his helper guy who he never like it's it, it whenever a, a, a vampire has a familiar they're always itching to be a vampire right that's that's yeah. like from from dracula to guillermo on what we do in shadows these, these mm. this is why they're there 
his buddy doesn't give a fuck. And I swear to God, they probably have sex. Like that, that, <laughs> that is his, that is his, uh, his non hetero life partner who just is with him as he seduces people all around the world for their blood. You know what I mean? Like the themes are just there. And it's just crazy to me how obvious it is now. And I, and I watched this movie, granted, not with a lot of attention, but like casually on cable for years, right? Uh-huh. For years. And really was only in it because uh back in the day because a some of the vampire makeup i think is killer just yeah, fun no, shit. it looks so good and, i mean the the makeup stuff the makeup yeah, stuff there's yeah. some like the weird cg like stuff that's in there that's not so good but um the it's makeup very stuff, I it's, very, was 80s. Awesome. it's very, yeah, 80s. very of the time for sure for i sure. think i think for me i when it comes to like the some of the weirder stuff like that that i don't even know if it was cg it might have been like scratches on film i don't know what the effect is Mm. I've written that stuff off to the 80s. So it doesn't bum me out. It's not like 90s CG where I'm like, oh, I see what yeah. you were trying to do there and you failed. So that's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, like in uh, the the one show, the movie, the, the JCVD movie with uh, right. yes, Dennis Rodman yes, that we just yes, talked about. Yes, Ugh. yes. Yeah. Awful CG. Awful. Any, anyway, so, so uh, you know, the story is basically uh, we've got we've got this main character who um, – uh, what's his name? Charlie uh, Brewster, which is like, yeah. I mean, first of all, this whole movie is very much a movie that knows the 80s are obsessed with the 50s. So this movie is squishing together horror tropes from the 40s and 50s with a little bit of an 80s sensibility. But with the 80s update. Yeah. Yeah. But there's so much 50s in this thing. I mean, Charlie Brewster is a fucking 50s nerd, although he has a single mom, which is like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, the 80s update. Yeah, exactly. But he's also walking around in like blazers. Oh, (laughs) oh, for sure. He looks like a member of Vampire Weekend. It's it's pretty funny. Yeah. And uh yeah. He's got this okay he's got this he's got this girl who uh you know he he is pressuring to uh let him go all the way or at least go further than they have. But of course right. the minute Dandrus shows up he can't even know like, she's he doesn't she, even pay attention to it. She's yeah. throwing herself at him. And by the way, I I also have always had a crush on her BT dubs. So yeah. um you know, she's throwing herself at him and he's he can't pay attention because look at this amazing man with his long fingers next door. <laughs> yeah. And his Italian suits. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cosby sweaters. Oh my God. And then it just goes from there. He's got this, I, you know, evil Ed is evil Ed, his friend or someone he picks on. Tell. He can't tell while I'm watching it. I can't tell if they're like they're boys yeah. or if he hates them. Like I, I, it's, it's unclear. He can't figure out how to treat his lady friend with anything like respect. She eventually is also gonna, evil. Ed is rocking some ferocious Z calves. It's Cavaricci so good. Jones. It's so good. Dude, he looks like a samurai. It's awesome. Yeah. He looks like a samurai and a member of the clash at the same time. And and the thing about the thing about Charlie is like there's no reason for uh, there's there's almost no reason for him to insert himself into Dandridge's life. Other than yeah. he's he's kind of trying to like morally police Dandridge. Now that might sound weird to say because Dandridge is murdering people, so yeah. it is a moral issue to care. But in a lot of movies, you get involved with the vampire because the vampire is going to seduce you, mm. or is trying to get you, or is trying to get someone you care about. Dandridge just wants to be left the fuck alone, and he gives Charlie a lot of opportunities to yeah, just, just fuck step off. right out and just yeah. be off. Yeah. But it's just funny, though, because it's like, OK, you're he's dangerous is giving Charlie all these opportunities to be like, you know what? If you don't do anything, I'm not going to do anything. And it's good. 
but then he lives in this house next door that looks haunted with smoke oh. coming off oh, of it at every god. orifice, oh, which is hilarious. So oh my god, it's so funny. It's like, look, just don't look over here, kid. And he's like murdering sex workers and open windows and like has smoke coming out of everywhere. <laughs> it looks I like think, the monster house. I think some of what can be distracting about this movie is that it is solidly funny. It is. Yeah. It's not it is, a comedy, it but it's to be fucking funny. funny though. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. hilarious. Everything with Roddy McDowell up until the even when he has to nut up and actually like try to kill a vampire. Like Roddy McDowell plays a horror host who used mm-hmm. to be a star of like Hammer style horror films, where he was a vampire hunter, and clearly that's not real, right? And uh, when Charlie reaches out to him for help, he thinks Charlie's like a crazy person, you know, or or that it's all just a joke, right? And so mm-hmm. of course he's a fucking coward. Everything about that character is so silly and ridiculous and charming in its own way and i just love roddy mcdowell man i just love him he's so funny in this movie too so good his hair is so good (laughs) i think so so i will i do want to name some of the things i think that are hard for people about this movie one is um not everyone loves evil ed i actually love evil ed i love Mm. that he's so weird i I think a lot of people don't like that part of the movie that's one of the Mm. places this movie gets hate i think also um there's this extended i mean look the the this movie got sparks okay Mm. they got sparks on board and so there's an extended nightclub scene that involves a spark song and then another song right i think that section is a little long for some people who would rather see dandridge like ripping people apart or doing scary stuff and not see him seducing her in the middle of a nightclub. <laughs> the nightclub part's so Bro, good. Bro, I love it. It's so good. It's like one of my favorite parts <laughs> of the movie. It's so fucking good. It's first of all, it's played so well. It 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 has a visual language. It has it almost plays like a silent film. There's so much being communicated in that with no words. And the movie is really built around chumping Charlie until the end, right? Like mm-hmm. Charlie kind of sucks, honestly. Yeah, and, yeah. And he's just kind of like that American archetype of like the yeah. nosy neighbor. Yeah, yeah. And he really doesn't learn anything about about it. I, I, you almost get the feeling that Charlie wouldn't have learned how to be like a full human with his lady friend if it wasn't for this Dandridge next like without Dandridge there's no adult Charlie really it's mm. it's interesting it's an interesting turn in the film but I don't know I, Josh I, I get the I'm getting the feeling from you though you haven't said it directly you enjoyed this viewing far more than what you remembered growing up well once you sent me the Gailey Dreadful article about this and I read it going into this movie thinking about that this movie had a lot more nuance to it than like I had originally written it off as like, ah, I just don't give a fuck about it. It's just whatever, like cheesy eighties horror, which, you know, that's kind of our bread and butter, but there's just so much of it, Liam. There's so much of it that you're not going to love it all. And I, since I, I hear have, you, but for me, this is one of the diamonds in the rough. Yeah. That's, uh, and that's the thing, like watching it again, thinking about it on a more like contextual level and a more like, a subtextual level you know what i mean like it definitely had a lot more nuance to it and it had a lot more there than what i would originally written off is just like boy loves girl girl gets bit boy has saved girl like that kind of like which is funny because near dark is essentially that story as well true and i've always loved near dark so i don't know you know like what's the what with that but that said not talking about that yet i've turned the corner on fright night I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't seen the remake, so I don't know anything about the remake. What's what's your take? Is the remake good? No. I mean, I shouldn't mm-hmm. say no. 
the remake is a standard, mostly well-executed horror movie about a vampire, which is for okay. me not that interesting per se. Uh, I will say that the the uh, Roddy McDowell role is played by I forget his name, British actor who's been Doctor Who before. Oh, what is that dude's name? Fuck. Sorry, y'all. I'll, uh, I'll, David Tennant. Yes. He is great. I think David Tennant is great in it. I think the a lot of people really like the the you know there's yet again two boys and their relationship. I thought both of those actors sucked. I don't like their performances. Mm. Uh, and then um, uh, what's his name is the vampire. Uh, fuck again, my brain isn't working. Uh, British British actor Colin Farrell. I guess he's ah. Irish, actually. Sorry. Uh, the black Colin, Irish. Yeah. Colin, Colin Farrell <laughs> is the vampire. He's fine. He's menacing. Uh, mm. He's not fucking. Uh, Chris Sarandon, though. No, Chris. I, I think that th- he's I, not I, Eric. <laughs> Eric Roberts adjacent. For me, some people <laughs> who argue in my mind for this movie or again for the remake over the original, they don't like Chris Sarandon. And mm. in my mind, some of the criticism of Chris Sarandon are unintentionally acknowledging the sexual ambiguity of Chris Sarandon, which I think, (laughs) which I think fits a vampire. I don't, so this is just my vibe, but like there are very few vampires in the history of films and stories I've read where the vampire is just tough. I'm just a tough guy who drinks blood. Mm. That doesn't fucking work for me. Vampires should be pansexual period, or right. at least v- vaguely by because <laughs> they seduce their food. That's the whole fucking point. They seduce the, the, the sucking is sexual. All right, y'all. Uh-huh. It just fucking is. <laughs> if you want to give me like, if you want to give me some tough, super hetero van, I mean, I'm being a little unfair to Colin Farrell. It's not that much, but he just plays it differently. It's much more angry and menacing and that's just not my vibe and it's not just against him that's just how it is with a lot of vampire stuff i prefer mm. a vampire who doesn't muscle his way around he mm. he part of the whole thing is trickery if they weren't trying to trick you then why wouldn't they just look like monsters right yeah killers yeah they look human because they're trying to trick you into coming too close and then they're going to get you. And that is a kind of seduction, whether it's done by a plant trying to trick an insect in so it can eat it <laughs> or by mm-hmm. a vampire. And, and that seduction might not necessarily in all those cases be sexual, but there's something sexual. I think for, for me, at least, that's my favorite kind of vampire. So right. I'm just putting that out there. It's not bad, though. I think because there are people who tell me it's great and the original sucks i get a little negative on it and i'm being unfair the remake's actually pretty good it's a pretty good movie i saw it in the theaters when it came out it's pretty good but for me i just love the original and and the things that the remake does better than the original you know are not things i care about like it's faster <laughs> it has better jump scares what the yeah, fuck do i care about that things I don't that care we don't that. really have any 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 issue for or with, you know? And quite honestly, if it was a, a movie that wasn't <laughs> basically a new version of Fright Night, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rewatch it, but I wouldn't have any issue with it because it's actually still pretty good. You know what I'm right. saying? It's because it's the same as like Dawn of the Dead. I would have no animosity towards the Dawn of the Dead remake if it wasn't a if Dawn of the Dead remake. it wasn't called Dawn of the Dead, yeah. I mean, I still wouldn't love it because I think the whole zombie baby subplot is stupid and not yeah. good, but, uh, but I wouldn't, 
hate it, and I still don't really hate it, but I wouldn't have animosity towards it, basically. Mm, yeah. So all that to say, I love this Fright Night. I know a lot of people will think it's corny. I think it's super effective. I think that as long as you go in knowing not all of it's scary, then you'll be on board. And then the couple of moments that are kind of freaky, like I would say actually what's great about the night, the um, the uh, nightclub sequence is that mm. while some of it's funny and amusing like it's kind of interesting the way he's like yeah. seducing her uh when he loses his shit that's actually kind of scary and when they're on the stairs and he just shows up to like take her away that's fucking scary like it, it, it there are parts of it that work you know and it and it and you have to take it into the context too this is 1985 the slasher is ruling all everything that is making money in horror is a slasher for the most part right so the fact yeah. the idea of making this movie has to be read in response to the last you know five years in hollywood of people wanting to be friday the 13th you know what i mean or whatever <laughs> halloween or whatever you know what i'm saying so like i just think you know with all that in, in in my mind it makes me love this movie even more yeah i agree i agree one of my I other turn the corner and i'd like to apologize to justin <laughs> lore and to uh and to evan valella and i will say fright night is a good fucking movie i will say my uh, one of my other favorite parts is the the fact that his familiar is not human in some way you know when they sh have to shoot him like five times and then he like melts that's one yeah. of my favorite because you're sure like oh he's just a human oh yeah. it's i'm sure it's fine and then the way they film it and the fact and the that melty it, bits uh, are really fun and the slidey skull uh, oh, super so fun good. yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, good man. ass time <laughs> I also recommend for people interested, I have the soundtrack on vinyl. It's very good. It's a fun listen. It's a fun Halloween listen. Uh, <laughs> I recommend checking it out, you know. Plus Sparks. I mean, come on. Lots yeah, of crossover here. Yeah. All so right. Good. Let's let's transition then to a movie that I think we both unapologetically love. Yeah. Uh, by, a, by a director who I think is, you know, uh, pretty well known even if this movie maybe isn't one of her more well-known movies we're going to talk about 1987's near dark directed by Catherine bigelow so good it's such a good movie and it's funny because this is before Catherine bigelow Catherine bigelow got married to james cameron but this sure. is right after aliens came out and james cameron suggested it was on his suggestion that the cast from aliens come on board and it still blows my mind that vasquez was not spanish what? Oh, yo, it's worse. <laughs> it's worse than you think, right? I I hate to, I, no disrespect to this actress, but this just gives you the politics of the time, right? Yeah. She didn't know what Aliens was about, right? She thought Aliens was not a sci-fi movie. It was a movie about illegal immigrants. So Whoa. she she showed up. I did not she know that. She showed up to her fucking audition in Cholo cosplay doing a fake uh, Latine accent. That's how she showed up, and that's how she got the role. In fact, they changed it to better fit this character that she was gonna be. Unbelievable. That's how fucking. I don't it is. know if it's just talking about the strength of her being able to portray anybody I or mean, what, it's, but it's both. It's both. It's bo yeah, no, it's, it's both. Up. It is one hundred percent both. I'm not disrespecting her abilities as an actress. I am saying 1987 politics. The fact that mm. she saw aliens and was like, "Oh, this must be about uh, <laughs> Mexicans coming into our country. I better, I better dress up for it," you know. And then, and then finding out Ugh. it wasn't at all is like, oh shit. Anyways, the point is, she's still very good in this, as is our man, the man. Lance Henriksen. 
Oh, I wasn't even going to say Hendrickson. I was going to say, uh, uh, you know, uh, Bill. Oh, yeah, Bill Peckstone. Yeah, that yeah. dude's fucking he's Mr. so unhinged in this movie. But he's kind of exactly the same character yeah. from fucking Aliens, would well, you he's, say? He's, like, uh, well, I, yes and no. I think this character, the character in Alien is trying to be tough. Aliens is trying to be tough, but is really not. It's not that this character isn't tough. I, I really do think he's menacing. It's just, you know, he can only be so menacing and eventually you, you're not immortal, really, right? Yeah. And that's that's sort of part of the vibe of the movie, right? That these vampires, like, when you're a vampire, you're immortal, but you're also not. Right. You have yeah, certain you're... weaknesses and these motherfuckers want to work around those weaknesses and rule the fucking world. And that's not real. Right. The same way, like mm. with the kid. Right. Like the ego. Think about the ego of these motherfuckers that they turned a kid and didn't think like probably in about less than 20 years, this kid's going to be pissed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like it's it's a fucking it, it's it's the heart. It's really what tells us in Interview with a Vampire that Lestat is a villain is because of the kid. Right. Mm -hmm. That's how you know. That's how you fucking know. It's the same thing here. The existence of a child vampire lets you know that whatever vampires out there is a bad vampire. Like that's, there's no justification for that. Uh, And it it might be weird to be sound to people that I'm moralizing about vampires, but it's just true. Imagine being eight for more than 10 years. It's a fucking torture. It's unbelievable. Awful. Awful. Yeah. Well, but that said, man, it's a, this movie I mean, is he, so, it, okay. So what's the movie about? It, this There's is a, a this is, this is essentially a vampire cowboy movie and it is about yeah. uh, a young, a young, uh, wrestler, a ra- young cowboy. Yep. He's coming into <laughs> his own. Horse. He's coming into his own. He's finding his oats and he gets led astray. Treat Williams is his dad. Yeah. And he gets led astray by some bad hombres who also happen to be vampires. And it's it's in the name of lust, but it becomes about love, right? He clearly Uh, just wants to get his rocks off, but slowly he starts to fall for this person. And by the time he realizes what's at stake, it's too late, right? But it's uh, also a story of redemption, right? Because they figure out a way for him to save not only himself, but her as well. So there's a lot of, I mean, for a movie that is essentially a B fucking movie, this is Catherine Bigelow doing a B horror movie, a low budget horror movie. Western. It's a 90 minute movie. It moves at a very fast clip within the first 10 minutes. You meet the girl, you realize that there's something wrong with her. And then you meet like, then she bites him. Like that's in the first 10 minutes of the movie, which, you know, for most people who've seen movies like this, like horror movies in general, there's always like a build. Right. And this movie doesn't really do that. It just like, but that's the thing. Also, this is like a flash of the greatness that would be Catherine, that does become Catherine Bigelow's filmmaking. Right. Because she doesn't leave anything like wanting. You kind of no, just figure like as it moves at its swift pace, your brain fills in the blanks as a viewer in such a way that makes the movie very effective. And even though like it does kind of just move at that fast pace, it doesn't at all feel like you're moving at a fast pace. It feels like you're there for the whole story. Well, and what the movie does, right. Is that it's not about the horror of him becoming a vampire. It's about these other vampires. It's about this, this 
group he's fallen into, which is another theme, right, in Westerns, right? He's yeah. gotten he's gotten mixed up with a group of outlaws, and at first he's a little attracted to them through the eyes of this girl that he cares about, but it doesn't mm-hmm. take long for him to understand these are not his fucking people. But it's too yeah. late. He's too he's in too far, and all those themes are there. And but it's also like despite being a B movie with some serious like overacting in it. It somehow manages to be iconic. It's fucking, yeah. it's visceral. It's so it's, it's a movie too. about fucking America. It's beautiful. It looks unbelievable, and it like connects to some of our deepest mythology about mm. the West and about uh, the frontier and about what what uh, cowboys are like and all this shit. It's it's dripping with so much. Even though at its base, it's just a, you know, it's a, it's a cowboy vampire movie. It's like, Mm. it's somehow describing it as a cowboy vampire movie is perfect because that's what it is. And also incredibly not sufficient to describe how wonderful a movie it is and haunting and fucked up. And, and our man Paxton is part of the, that everything about that bar scene is That bar scene is such a good central part. I mean, Uh like. Uh-huh. It's so, cuz like so what happens is um in the in the movie even though our protagonist has been turned and is somewhat ingratiated into the group they still don't trust him because he hasn't killed anybody yet. So they take him to a bar and they're like you're going to kill somebody tonight or we're going to kill you cuz they're bad dudes. They're bad gang. It's not a good gang of vampires. And um <laughs> Dude, it's like the most menacing performance. Like, not just Bill Paxton, but we're, of course we're going to lift up Bill Paxton because he kills a guy with a spur on his boot. Uh-huh. He chops a guy's throat with that, John. But everybody in this scene is so brutal. <laughs> it's so good. Well, and it, they very much the the there's a there's a patriarchy to this vampire game, right? Gang, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's like a there's a way in which Lance Hendrickson's uh, Jesse is this like he's the paterfamilias, right? Which makes mm. sense in a gang and it makes sense with vampires. You know, he he has he has sired them all, but also he's a bad dude. And mm. they are they it's that weird thing again, the similarity between vampires and outlaws. These are people living on the edge who because they're lawless seem invincible, but also are incredibly are very vulnerable. Susceptible to Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It's killed by the sun. Yep. That's true. Yeah. Oh, and these are these are exploding vampires too. For those of you who are invested in vampire movies, these people don't just fizz up, man. These are exploding no. vampires. Yeah, there's yet, nothing romantic about their their demise. No. In these and yet movies. they have it's, the balls to travel during the day. Like that's how you know they're true. fucking crazy. They will risk traveling during the day, knowing that they could blow up. It's it's unbelievable. It's so good though. Yeah, I mean. That whole hotel scene, too, is also yep. like, whoa, they're playing cards and smoking cigarettes. And you got Homer, the little one, the eight-year-old vampire who's older than eight. But he's smoking cigarettes and trying to find a girl. Like, it's it's intense, man. There's so many. It's crazy. So much, yeah, it's such a good, just, would you call this a fun movie? Um, I think I would, as long as you're, uh, it's, it is that moment so melancholy. That you have to be willing to have fun with a movie that at times is going to make you sad. Even though yeah. I would say the ending might for some people almost be too sentimental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's yeah, it's yeah. almost too heartwarming in a way. But I think that fits the narrative, right? This is, mm. this is in some ways, not directly, but in some ways a movie 
about a certain kind of America. Like that's why it's set where it is. That's why we see what we see. This is a part of the country. It's a, and it's a, it's a part of the country that for me and Josh, you might as well be on fucking Mars. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this is not get, our world. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but in another way, it, it it almost has to end the way it does for it to narratively work. You know, even yeah. though I know there are people who find the ending unsatisfying. It works. Basically that- what happens is our protagonist and the girl that he falls in love with, that's a vampire. They are saved from vampirism by a blood transfusion and they transfuse the, the vampire out of them, transfuse the devil out of them. So, uh, ah, you know, it's, it's, it's an ending that I don't know. It was fine. And you know, it ends with her being like, is that the sun? You know, all that stuff is cool. I'm too, I'm too, I'm too nostalgic about it. To critique to it seriously, it. yeah. Though I will say, like from a certain view, it also doesn't work because I want there not to be uh, the option of total redemption. There's a part of me that doesn't believe that that she's yeah. just going to get to see the sun. There's a part of me that doesn't feel that right. She's but, at least going to tan poorly. But you I know think, what I mean? but I think narratively for the story that's being told, it does work. And honestly, it is a bit of a you could make the argument that his, even though his character is so, I'm here to get my rocks off, young bull, that in a way, the way that they work in the story almost, it's almost can be at times a gender swap. That, like, mm. that, like, she, it would make more sense if he was a lady being seduced into this thing. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, yeah. In another way, it's it gender-wise works completely because she's like the honeypot, basically. But but I think it's like I think you assume watching the movie that that's how she functions. But I think the animosity of the group towards him kind of proves that like it's not her job to seduce people into the group. They don't want anyone else. They don't need mm-hmm. another person. They they're they're willing to accept him because she's brought him, but they don't really want him there you know what i mean um so anyways i just think there's a lot for a movie that is i think to your question mostly fun i mean if i was going to recommend the movie i'm like it's a good time there is some stuff going on there like in the story that i think is just bigelow being the director she is so she infuses it with unbelievable imagery with a lot of thematic stuff um it's not like a it's like don't get me wrong it doesn't have a message or anything like that but it is a very like iconic movie you know and 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 mm-hmm. and and really has a lot of the a lot of the uh mythology in my mind that uh, that a western does you know yeah for sure and it, it just again it moves at such a quick clip that you don't ever feel like it has a chance to even stagnate but it also tells a tale that branches back so far because like there's a scene where lance hendrickson's like well, well he asks where the kid asks lance or asks jesse how old is he and he's like, well, let's put it this way. I fought for the South. We lost. It's like, oh, there's like this whole mythology there that with that one line, she tells the whole story without saying a damn thing. Yeah. And it's kind of genius yeah. in terms of it's like execution. You know what I mean? At least that's one of the things that struck me as very nascent on this view, which I haven't, again, I haven't seen this movie in a long time, but man, it still slaps. I think it's really, really good. Highly recommended. Yeah. I I love it. It's one of my favorites. And it, it really is um it even though i know she's done a lot of other great movies it was mm. the beginning of me being like so who is this catherine bigelow person i had watched the movie a few times before i figured out 
she was the director, you know, but when mm. I did, it really pushed me to find her movies, Hurt Locker. Which, yeah. which is crazy because it's like, well, she did the, she did the, the Hurt Locker. Yeah. Well, mm. that's not a movie I would care to watch. Honest. Like, I'm just being honest. It's yeah. not a movie I would seek out. I would watch it if someone wanted to go, but it's not on my to watch list. But really when I realized, oh, the person who's famous for the Hurt Locker also directed Near Dark, which I love. Well, now I have to see the Hurt Locker because yeah. that's an interesting transition. You know what I mean? So, mm. yeah, I, 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 I don't know if she's done anything recently. It's been a while, right? I think so. She's done yeah. something recently, though, because I remember I think she her did, name uh, up. No, she did. Uh, what's it called? Uh, I guess. Oh, so she did Detroit. Right. Oh, right, right, right. Which yeah. I did not love. Yeah, I was. I guess that that's a little bit of a bummer because I feel like it's not as strong as her other stuff. But it is yeah. what it is. I'm not going to worry about it. But uh, I liked. I like. I did actually like Last Days. Uh, Zero Dark Thirty's great. Uh, mm. Hurt Locker's great. Um, what else did I find? Specific. Well. I will say K nineteen is not great, so you, you can't <laughs> you can't say everything she does. But I actually think a super underrated movie that we'll have to, we should cover on here sometime is Strange Days. Yeah, no, like that I, movie rules. I think a it's lot of people really a lot of people go, okay, Near Dark is good. Uh, well, I don't hear enough love for Blue Steel either. I fucking love Blue Steel. I think it's great. Yeah, so, I love but, JLC though. So whatever she does, I'm in. Yeah. You know? But Near Dark and Point Break, a lot of people go Near Dark, Point Break, and then jump to The Hurt Locker. But I mm-hmm. actually think Strange Days is unbelievably good, right? Like, I just yeah. think it's really good. And then Angela she did, Bassett's in it. Juliet yeah. Lewis. Come on. It's got, like, huge cast. Uh, yes. But then she did some stuff that I just don't – like, I never really watched the show. She directed a lot of – or not a lot, but a few episodes of Homicide, Life on the Street. I never really watched that. Weight of Water, K nine. I never saw K nineteen is bad. Um, and Mission Zero, I never saw. So it's not like I'm a super fan, but I did seek out some of these movies because of that. And honestly, I thought Detroit didn't look good from the jump, but I mm. watched it anyway because it was Catherine Bigelow. You know what I mean? I don't yeah, know if yeah. that's really the movie that she needed to do. I don't know if it fit her talents but it's not a terrible movie it just didn't i just didn't like it you know but it's not it's not horrible so anyways all that to say if for whatever reason you're unfamiliar with near dark or for that matter point break and strange days get on board because these are all very good movies agreed agreed not the remake of point break though that thing's a piece of shit yeah don't bother don't bother yeah please (laughs) <laughs> all right well i guess that's it for this episode hey thanks for listening y'all yeah thanks for listening all as always rate review and subscribe because that's a currency that matters to podcasters like us and also tell a friend you heard a spook a podcast about vampires dog that's what you did <laughs> about vampires <laughs> so thanks for listening and we'll catch you a little bit further on down the trail all right love you bye smoke bomb do you like spooky movies? Hair-raising tales. Insightful criticism. Judgmental hot takes. Then you're going to love Car Business, the horror podcast on the Cinepunks Podcast Network dedicated to all things weird and spooky. My name is Leo Don. And I'm Justin Lohr. And every episode, we're going to tear apart your favorite and not-so-favorite horror movies to get to the bottom of what makes these movies great or maybe not great. Whether it's The Beyond, Prince of Darkness, or Inseminoid, we dive in on a double feature every episode, and then we talk about it. Some of our insights are great, and sometimes we just complain. 
So if we have to suffer through it, so do you. Horror Business, available anywhere you find fine podcast products.